Hey everyone, welcome to the Eat for Endurance podcast. My name is Claire Shorenstein and I'm a registered dietitian based in New York City. Today I'm going to do my first Ask Me Anything podcast episode. I've been meaning to do this for a while, so I apologize it took me so long, but I was busy scrambling to get a bunch of interviews together and edit them and get them produced and ready to go during my maternity leave. And now I'm really just playing the waiting game. As of this time of this recording, I am 38 and a half weeks pregnant, so this baby can come any day now. Hopefully I won't go into labor during this episode. So let's dive right into some of the questions I've received. And if I don't answer your question today, don't worry, I'll be doing another one of these episodes very soon. So my first question is from Dawn, who's from Hanover, Pennsylvania. And she asked, When I run 10 miles or more, my appetite is challenging the rest of my day. Immediately after my run, I'm not very hungry. I usually focus on rehydrating, and I usually have a small chocolate milk. When the hunger hits, I try to eat something healthy. I have a go-to that's a combo of chicken, broccoli, and new potatoes, and some vegetable broth. But then two hours later, I'm famished again. I don't want to defeat my fitness efforts by eating poorly. What should I be eating to manage the hanger after a long run? I don't have any dietary restrictions. That's a great question, Don. I know many of my clients often are talking to me about having an insatiable appetite, especially when training for anything on the longer side. I guess first off, I'd say it's very common to not have an appetite right after a run, after any kind of hard or long effort. So usually what I recommend is one of two things either having a small snack or something liquid. So you said chocolate milk, that's fine. Obviously, it's a little higher in sugar, but that, I mean, that's a fine. We need, we need sugar, we need carbs, we need protein, electrolytes, fluids, all that good stuff. So sometimes another option I say is having a smoothie. You could also do something like a yogurt and fruit, just something light and small that's giving you, again, some protein, carbs. You want to get some um, fluids along with that. You could do some sort of recovery drink if you wanted, and then you know, an hour or two later, do a real meal. Now, your meal that you describe, chicken, broccoli, new potatoes, and vegetable broth, that is very healthy sounding however I'm not sure it has that much fat in it so that could be possibly a reason why that isn't really satisfying and satiating for a longer period of time so let's say you added olive oil some avocado some nuts some seeds I don't know any maybe the chicken is more of a dark meat chicken I mean whatever it is that makes that a little bit higher in fat that fat is going to be well first of all tasty but also more filling so that's one thing You know, as always with this kind of stuff, I always encourage you to listen to your body. So if you're hungry again, then have another meal. There's nothing wrong with that. You shouldn't be depriving yourself if that's the signal your body is sending. You know, maybe another day you will not be as hungry and you can adjust, you know, in that way. So just kind of continuing to listen to your body making sure you're having something that is more balanced. So maybe you could, you know, instead of the chocolate milk, having more of like a smoothie that has yogurt and seeds or nuts and vegetables and fruits. And, you know, again, something really balanced that isn't too heavy, but maybe pack some more nutrition in that could also potentially help. Next up, Nancy from Austin, Texas. And Nancy says, I focus on eating a variety of whole foods, but occasionally need to grab a protein bar or make a smoothie and have difficulty finding powders and bars that don't have stevia, artificial sweeteners, or other ingredients I'd rather avoid. Any suggestions? Oh, I feel you, Nancy, Um, especially on the protein powder front. I absolutely despise stevia and other sweeteners and 
for some reason, they just really made an appearance in the sports uh, nutrition product market, and they're all over the place, especially in powders. It seems like everyone's so afraid of carbohydrates when really that's often what we need, especially post-workout. So I, I unfortunately don't have a really great protein powder type of product that I love and would recommend. I did recently um, speak with one of the creators of Tailwind's Rebuild, and that is a, a protein recovery drink, but that's not something that you're, I mean, people do put it in smoothies, but it's pretty caloric, and I know sometimes people want a protein powder that is really just protein and isn't so much all these other things, but that's one you could try. Rebuild's a great one. In terms of bars, I'd say that Things like that are more real food based. That's what I often am recommending. I personally love the RX line of products. Um, They make great nut butters that have some egg white in there and their bars. Some of the kind bars aren't too bad, although it's not so loaded with protein. Same with Lara Bar, again, not as high in protein. And in terms of drinks, you know, if you're making a smoothie, again, think real food. You don't have to always have. Uh, you know, some sort of product in there. You could also just use yogurt, whether it's non-dairy or dairy yogurt, you know, like a Greek yogurt or regular yogurt, or even a kefir. You know, you could be using nuts and seeds and things like that. So, I mean, there are lots of other options. It doesn't, again, have to just be some sort of whey or pea or hemp or, you know, any of that kind of stuff. So that's what I'd say is if, if you can focus on having whole foods, uh, you know, that's that's great. Um, sometimes if you're just looking for convenience, you know, I mean, I, I mentioned yogurt a lot. I happen to love yogurt, but like yogurt and fruit's a good one. I often will just have things in the freezer, like just making a batch of some really great muffins. So the super muffins is always a favorite of mine from the Run Fast Eat Slow books by Shalane Flanagan and Elise Kopecky. You know, things that are just kind of handy that you can, you know, grab from the freezer or whatever when you get back, or even having some hard-boiled eggs lying around or things like that. So sorry I don't have more product ideas for you. I, too, am looking for something that I enjoy um, on the market and have not quite found that yet, so I tend to go more real food-based for now. All right, Nabila from NYC, she says, what do you think of macro counting, and is it a fad or does it really determine your body composition? Great question, Nabila. I have a lot of clients all the time asking me about macros, counting macros. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily call it a fad. I mean, I know it is kind of a way of tracking calories and intake and all that. And I know many people, especially people who love numbers, do like using that as a tool. I personally try to steer clear of that in terms of, you know, a weight loss standpoint, as I believe that's where you were coming from with this question, um, rather than say like a sports nutrition standpoint, which, you know, sometimes with my sports nutrition clients, we are very much focusing on numbers and it is helpful to use as a tool. But in terms of, yeah, in terms of determining your body composition, sure. I mean, you can use counting macros to kind of you know, help get leaner and all of that. And that can be helpful, especially if, say, you're following a specific type of diet, like a lower carb style of eating or whatever. But again, I always like to think in terms of sustainability. So are you really going to be sitting there counting your macros for the rest of your life or counting calories or counting whatever it is you like to count? I think the answer is no. I don't think it's a really healthy way of going about, you know, eating and looking at food and nutrition. I do have clients who, again, are just, they call, you know, they they love the data and they love numbers and they want the numbers and we work with numbers, but I don't want you living and dying by those numbers. I want you to be tuning into your body and what your body needs, you know, both 
objectively and subjectively. So objectively, like what nutrition do I really need in order to be healthy? And subjectively, like what am I craving and what do I actually want to eat? What kind of situation am I in? You know, food is more than just making you live and be healthy and surviving. It's fun. It's pleasurable. It's, you know, for culture and religion and a variety of other things. So, you know, we don't always want to just think of food as calories and grams of protein, grams of carbs and all that stuff. We want to think of food as just food. Food is this delicious thing that I'm eating. So I know I'm kind of straying a little bit from your question because you were talking about determining body composition. But I think that another way of looking at things, at least this is how I like to look at things, is more about, am I eating something that's nutritionally balanced, right? You know, what are my portions looking like? How am I feeling when I'm eating this particular meal or snack or food? You know, do I feel good? Do I feel hungry? Do I feel tired? Do I, I mean, what are, what's going on here, right? So I, it's more, I go more for a visual way of looking at things rather than a number. And we are basically indirectly working with numbers because when I'm working with clients on building a nutritionally balanced meal or snack, we're, we're taking portion into account. We're taking essentially nutrition needs into account, but we're doing so in a way that isn't obsessively counting sometimes does become obsessive and people can stress themselves out about it. So in that sense, yeah, maybe it is a fad, but I know, again, it works for many people. This podcast, you know, as I've said many times, is all about figuring out what works for you. So if macro counting is a helpful tool and you feel like it's not turning into an unhealthy obsession, then that's fine. Equally, if tracking in Lose It or MyFitnessPal or any of those calorie counting apps is a helpful tool and not becoming an unhealthy obsession, then that's fine. Again, personally, I don't think that's something that I would want people to be doing all the time, but I have my client's food log you know, frequently in food journal, whether it's in an app or not, just to be more aware of what you're taking in. So kind of long-winded que- uh, answer to your question there, but hopefully that helps. All right, Matt from New Jersey. I recently completed my first Ironman. Thought I had the nutrition plan properly, but no, I've got a lot to learn about fueling for endurance. How many calories can I really absorb? How many do I need? I assume as many as possible. Can you really train the gut? Can I eat real food? And what causes my nausea during the run? All right, so lots of great questions in there. Obviously, Ironman is a very complicated and long type of race. You get three sports in one there. So it's a lot of training involved. It's a very long effort. Um, And a lot of people experience GI distress and, and nutrition issues. So first off, don't be hard on yourself. The fact that you thought you had your nutrition planned properly and it didn't go as you planned, you are not the only one there. It is such a common, common thing that I hear about. I often get people come into my office or you know, work with me virtually who have had a horrible first experience with an endurance event and they're looking to improve things. So don't feel bad about that at all. We can you know, just use it as a learning experience and move on from there. Okay, so how many calories can I really absorb? Well, you know, obviously when you're working really hard, your, your blood is not flowing as much towards the gut, but away from the gut. So there really is only so much that you can take in and you want to make sure that you're taking in 
types of calories that are you know easily digestible. Now, of course, it also depends on the sport. So again, Ironman is swim, bike, run. So usually it's running or any kind of sport that's really jostling your stomach that's the hardest in terms of digestion. But you also have to keep in mind intensity, right? So you know, how fast are you running? So I, I do a lot of trail running and I work with a lot of ultra runners and stuff. So that kind of event, often people are having more real food as compared to say a marathon or half marathon runner running at a much higher intensity during a race. Whereas, you know, in a trail race, for instance, you're stopping at aid stations and eating real food. It's a much, much longer event, etc. Now in Ironman, of course, the, the challenge is in that first portion, the swim, you know, you're not really fueling in that whole first portion. So especially in an Ironman distance, you have a big chunk of time there where you're not taking on any fuel. So usually what we're going for is like fueling before, you know, taking something like five, 10 minutes before and make sure you have a really solid breakfast, all that. And then on the bike, that's really where we're getting our calories in. And the bike, of course, you're not jostling as much, et cetera. So in terms of how many calories can I really absorb, Maybe a more important question is where are those calories coming from, right? So that's something you have to take into account as well. Maybe it's not a more important question, but it's a a simultaneous question you have to ask. In terms of how many calories we can absorb, there are sports nutrition guidelines that state that for events shorter than four hours, we're aiming for 30 to 60 grams of carbohydrates or roughly 120 to 240 calories an hour. And then for events longer than four hours, such as the Ironman, it's more like 60 to 90 grams, so more than 240 calories per hour. Now, how much you can actually absorb? Well, that depends on you. If you're a much bigger person and you have more experience and you have trained the gut, which yes, is possible through training. And some people also just have different sensitivities and tolerances to things. So you absolutely can train the gut. So if you're, you know, let's say a very tall, large male and you have more experience with these endurance events and have trained with food and various products, you know, there's a good chance that you can absorb on the top end of what the average person is able to absorb. So that kind of 60 gram or sorry, yeah, 60 to 90 gram carb range. But again, this is a very individual thing and it really depends again on where those calories are coming from. So is it liquid nutrition? Is it solid food? You know, what's going on here? And that's really going to depend on you. Usually in an Ironman, people are getting hungry. You know, we often see some solid food going in on the bike, but some people really prefer to stick with liquid nutrition or other just gels, chews, that kind of stuff, other sports nutrition products. So that's really something that you just have to play around with. Also have to take into account, for instance, transition from bike to run. So maybe at a certain point, you're starting to taper off a little bit from solid food to allow your stomach to settle before going into the run. And then on the run, maybe you're just sticking with gels or chews or drink or whatever it is that you're doing. So that's a bit of a complicated question that I guess we would have to address on an individual level based on kind of what your training and and nutrition has been looking like. In terms of how, yeah, so how many do I need? I assume as many as possible So it's as many as you can tolerate. We're not like stuffing in just like thousands of calories. You're going to not do well in that case. So again, you know, the research shows that there's really only so much most people can really take in. 
And we're just trying to push that a little bit and just, again, train the gut, practice during training, and then seeing what you can actually tolerate on the day. Can you eat real food? Yes. So absolutely. Again, with the caveat that, you know, you're practicing this. So, you know, some people are doing bars, some people are doing sandwiches, um, bananas, you know, all kinds of different stuff. So, you know, if you are practicing with this and it feels good and, and you're mixing it up again, you might get hungry, then yeah, absolutely. You can eat real food, but you know, you're never doing anything new on race day. So this is something that you've, you've practiced in all your long rides and brick sessions and all that good stuff. And you feel confident that, you know, you can reach for these things when you get to the race day. And then what causes nausea during the run? That's a little bit more complicated. It could be a number of things. It really depends on, you know, weather and electrolyte balance fluids, what kinds of foods you're taking in. Yeah, that's one that's a little bit trickier to answer. Nausea does, of course, happen, and that's something we often play around with. And and it could just be like tolerance to various products you're taking in or a lack of nutrition or too much nutrition, especially if you're running in like a hot race. You know, there are lots of things that could be going on there. So that one I'm not really sure about. But all these things can definitely be addressed, so don't be discouraged if you want to run another Ironman and you want to nail down your nutrition for next time. And lastly, Samantha from Astoria, New York, she's training for her second marathon, and she asks, a lot of times when I eat, it takes a while for my stomach to register that I have had food and I'm no longer hungry. Especially if I'm very hungry and eat it really fast, I will sometimes finish a meal and still be hungry. In an effort not to overeat and then feel sick, I try to portion control. Is there a general time frame to give myself after eating where I can give my stomach hunger a check-in to see if I am still hungry and should eat more or if I should just give my stomach a chance to process the food I've eaten? Great question. Um, you know, I'm usually saying, well, first of all, slow down, <laughs> you know, try to eat your food in a mindful, careful way and allowing yourself just to taste and chew and enjoy your food, right? Making sure your food is enjoyable, is satisfying. Portion controlling is fine, as we've already talked about nutritional balance. So having protein, having carbs, having fat, you know, having all those things present, getting some veggies in there, that's going to help you also make sure that you're getting a satisfying, nutritious meal in. But typically, yeah, you know, if you're eating slowly, you're chewing your food, you're giving yourself 15, 20 minutes to kind of just process what you've eaten, have some water, and then kind of check in with your body to see, do I really want some more? And also, does this food taste good? You know, whenever we're talking about food being satiating and filling, we also have to talk about the satisfaction factor because you can be not hungry, but not satisfied. And that's not a really good place to be. And sometimes we just find ourselves there because food is purely functional and we don't have a lot of options and we just have to eat. That's fine. But if you have a little bit more control over the situation and can ask yourself before you eat, what do I actually want to eat rather than should, you know, and choosing something that actually is appealing and tastes good to you, then that's great. Maybe you have one serving of whatever it is you're having and you're like, you know what, I'm done with this, but I want something else and you can move on to something else. And then you ask a second question, is there any benefit from eating smaller meals more frequently as opposed to the traditional three meals a day, especially when trying to combat the feeling of always being hungry during peak training? So that, yeah, that's just what you prefer. I often am recommending three meals and a couple snacks a day for a lot of people. 
But if you want to eat smaller, more frequent meals, and that works for you, and you're, and especially if that works for your schedule, you know, I work with a lot of people, especially in New York City, with all these crazy schedules, or you know, maybe they're training at night and we're doing two smaller dinners or two smaller breakfasts or whatever works with training. Go for it. You know, as long as you're meeting your nutrition needs and you're feeling good, that's fine. You know, so it's really something that you need to ask yourself about what you want to do and what works well with your training and your schedule. Okay. All right, guys, thanks for all those questions. Again, if I didn't get to them today, I promise you that I will be getting to them at a later time. Always email me for sure, eatforendurance at gmail.com if you would like to submit more questions to my next Ask Me Anything episode. All right, thanks, guys. Have a good one. Bye.